Our second lesson today is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from his goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Well, certainly our news over the last few weeks, months, has been dominated by these stories, horrible stories of harassment that has happened in different places. And, you know, I tell you, I believe the women, right? So you hear these allegations, I believe the women. And you hear them, and they're astounding. They're astonishing to me. You know, I hear these things and think, wow, who does this? But here's the problem. It's not good enough for me to hear that and think that. It's not good enough for me to sit back and say, I can't believe people do this kind of thing. At least I don't do that. This scripture, this passage, calls us to be very self-aware, to be very self-examining about our role in the way things work in the world. I have to ask myself, it's not good enough, you know, to just not do those kinds of things. I have to ask myself, what has my role been in contributing to an environment where these things happen? What has my role been in contributing to a society where some people seem to think you can do those things? What have I done to to perpetuate this culture of of a toxic masculinity that that encourages people to behave in that way? Did I participate in so-called locker room humor that perpetuates that kind of environment? Did I tell the joke that shouldn't be told that perpetuates that kind of attitude? What is my role 
in making the society not what it ought to be? That's the question we have to ask ourselves as we examine this, this question in this passage of what is it that makes a good person? See, we'd like to think of ourselves as, as good. That's the way we'd like to think of ourselves. I'd like to say, okay, I, I'm, I'm decent because I don't do those things. I didn't do those horrific things. But when we read this passage, and when it talks about Jesus coming, the king coming and separating the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, you know, we hear this, and if I took a poll, every single one of us puts ourselves as sheep. Okay? I, I mean, everybody sits there and says, sheep, yep. You, what are you, sheep? Yeah, maybe I have a little bit of goat blood in me, but sheep. <laughs> Pretty much sheep. We, we never sit there and, and, and allow ourselves to think of ourselves as goats. And we also use strange criterion. You see, one of the things about this passage, which is kind of interesting, is that when the people are being separated, the king separates them first, then tells them why. It doesn't tell them when it's happening. Right? So it would be like if I stood up here and said, okay, you, you, you sit over there, you over here, you can stay, All right? and just started moving people back and forth, you would be, what is going on? I, I think teachers sometimes did this to us in school. Right? They would go, okay, we want you over here, you over there, and then you were sitting there, all the kids are going, what's going on? What's the teacher doing? Why, why are we being separated? So th they get separated first, and then Jesus tells them, I have separated you into the sheep and the goats. And they're surprised. They're surprised because I'm sure that every single one of them says, sheep. And then they want to know why they were separated the way they were. And Jesus says, well, you know, it was based on these kinds of things. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And then to the others, he says, well, you didn't do that. And one of the things that happens is, is we always remember the things we do well, and we don't think about the times we don't do it very well. I was hungry, and you gave me food. Well, last week, you know, we talked about, uh, I mentioned during uh, announcements that we had hosted the, as we always do every year, the Center for Food Action does their Thanksgiving basket distribution from here. And I mentioned during announcements that uh, it was just casual. I actually hadn't planned to do it just mentioned casually that they had a waiting list of 300 families across their network in Bergen County for Thanksgiving baskets. And by the next day, um, you all had contributed over $1,500 that went over to the Center for Food Action uh, to, to help alleviate that. It was wonderful. You did that. What we don't think about is the times we don't do it. We don't think about the flip side of it. And there's a reason why that's very important. See, we like to think of, of the way we are as sort of a good minus bad calculation. I'm going to take my good stuff, and I'm going to subtract my bad stuff, and I'm going to see what my net is. We like to do that. That's the way most of us think. Christian theology doesn't work that way. Christianity actually doesn't count the good stuff. That's why they always go, you people are so depressing. All you ever talk about is our sin, our sin, our sin. You never talk about our good stuff. How can you do that? And there's actually a, a good reason for this. If you start getting into this, I'm going to measure myself by taking my good stuff, subtracting my bad stuff, and seeing what, what's left. We actually can get into a place where we start to use good stuff as a way of buying bad deeds. You know, you sit there and say, okay, you know, I 
just served dinner to the homeless, so I'm, I'm allowed a little road rage on the way home. I, I, I just paid, I paid for that road rage with the good deed that I did. If we start to think in terms of a balance, then what happens is that all the good that we do becomes like a currency that we can spend on doing bad stuff at other parts in our lives. That's why the only real solution is to focus on just getting rid of the bad stuff. Just eliminate the, the, the sin, eliminate the, the stuff that you do that's wrong. You have to work that way. You can't have this compensating balance where you work your way out of the bad stuff because then you'll start to do that calculation in your brain. And Jesus is very specific. See, by, by, about when you need to do this. These groups, by the way, are both surprised. One of the most interesting things about the story is that both the sheep and the goats are surprised by the statement that they had either done good by Jesus or not done good by Jesus, all right? They're surprised by it. They go, when was it that we did this? When was it? We don't remember. When did we do this? And they don't remember because they don't remember seeing Jesus. They would have been nice to Jesus if they'd seen him. I mean, if Jesus came in here and said, hi, I'm Jesus, well, after the psych exam, you, <laughs> you, you would be nice to him. But we have a tendency to take a look at, at how we act toward others and only look at how we act, behave when we're on our best behavior, when we want to be. In fact, you know, last month there was a quote by George W. Bush. Uh, he was giving a speech. It was just in October, uh, former President Bush. And he said this, and I think it's totally true of the way we live our lives. He said, too often we judge other groups by their worst examples while judging ourselves by our best intentions, forgetting the image of God we should see in each other. I think we do this all the time. We judge other groups or other people. We judge other individuals by their worst examples, but we judge ourselves by our best intentions. And we tend to judge our best intentions based on who's close to us and who we care about. We don't think about everyone else. We don't think about the other, you know, the, far, the distant other. We think about our immediate circle, our friends, our family, maybe our coworkers. And it's something we fall prey to, but it's a really dangerous way of thinking. Now, there was a, an ethics professor named, um, he still is, he's not was, he still is, uh, named Peter Singer, who, by the way, is the author in the course of his career of very many controversial things. Okay, so I'm not endorsing the entire body of his work. He likes to think outside the box and occasionally reaches very controversial conclusions. But about uh, nearly 40 years ago, he published uh, what was his best-known work and widely accepted, where he talked about this idea of expanding circles of moral impact, that, that, we, that we live in a world of circles around us that where the moral impact varies in our lives. And it, it shorthand, a lot of people have called it the moral circle. And down at North Point Church in, in Atlanta, they prepared, they did one of these explainer videos that's, that's really awesome that talks about the, the, this concept of the moral circle and how it plays out in our lives. It's a couple minutes long, and I invite you 
to take a look at it. Let's just say this is you. You're the big red person. All these people around you are just the people that you come in contact with. Some are people that you're friends with. Some are just, you know, the, the checkout person at the grocery store. Everyone has a moral circle. And all that means is that the people that are most central to you there are going to get your most love and they're the people that you're going to be nicest towards. Okay, how many of you here have waited tables? So you guys know what misery that is. I have waited tables also. Imagine a friend, a family member, somebody you really care about is going to start waiting tables. They go through the whole training process. You get a group of people together. You go, you sit in their section. You're all excited first night. And they come over and they are just sweating bullets. Right? What do you say to them? Oh, no, don't worry about us. Don't worry about us. Don't even worry about us. We don't even need drinks. I don't even like water. It's fine. We're fine. I don't like this. An hour later, they come over and take your order. You ordered steak in front of you is cod. It's great. You love cod. Cod's terrific. We're going to eat this. This is going to be great. And then what do you do at the, over, at the end of the night? You over-tip them, don't you? You over-tip them. Now, imagine that same scenario, and you have no idea who this server is. And they come, and you know what? You ordered Coke Zero, and this tastes like Diet Coke. So you stop making eye contact with these people. You start to do that mental math of the tip going down, down, down. I'm not going to even look at this person. You know, this is, this is ridiculous. We were paying for a good time. What is this? Two different types of behavior from us for two different people. One is your mom. One is your friend. One is your brother. The other one isn't. But the other one's somebody's mom. The other one's somebody's friend. The other one's somebody's brother. Why do we justify two different types of behavior for people that we come in contact with? We show kindness to our kind, meaning the people that are inside that circle are generally going to be people that you think are your kind. Ethnicity, background, financial status, age, orientation, family member, skill set, you name it. These are the people that I am going to give my most love to. Just imagine with me. How different would your world be if you just expanded your moral circle? What if all of a sudden the people in your church were known for treating other people in their society like family? What would that do to you? What would that do to your church? What would that do to your life and your heart? You see, we divide our lives that way. And then we think we're awesome because we're so nice to the people inside our moral circle. It's the people inside the circle who are going to speak at your funerals. It's the people inside the circle who you list as references on your resume. Right? It's the people inside the circle that you and I, that we're all nicest to. But the problem is that that's not actually a very good metric of anything. See, everyone's nice to people inside their moral circle. Everybody is. There's nothing special about it. Everyone is nice to people inside their moral circle. But Jesus tells us that that's not the measure of whether you are doing what Jesus asks. Jesus didn't even say, as you did it to anybody, you did it to me. He said, no, specifically, as you did it or did not do it to the least of these. 
as you did it or did not do it to the least of these. Not, not everybody, the least of these. And remember in the video, that picture of the circle in the middle, the guy, and you have all those little people going out? That little tiny stick figure this big, way off in the corner of the diagram, that is Jesus. That's where Jesus is. Because of course you are nice to the people inside your circle. The measure of your goodness is how you treat that person way out in the furthest corner of the picture. That person who is so small and so insignificant you can't see them in the picture and you can't see them in your lives. And that is where Jesus is. What if you were judged by that? What if that was the measure of how good a person you are, how nice a person you are? What if we, we went around and we asked people about you whom you didn't even bother to learn the names of and said, how is that person? We didn't ask your closest friends. We didn't ask the people inside your circle. What if we were to measure you based on how you treated the people at the furthest corner? And the reason why that example is given up to us by Jesus is because God knows that if you treat the people out in that furthest corner well, it will improve the way you treat everybody else. Because you're not going to treat your, your inside circle worse than the people outside. So if you really want to be a better person, you expand your moral circle. Your, your ethics, your morality starts from that far outside in. It doesn't start from the inside out. There's nothing special about the inside out. What makes a person truly nice, what makes a person truly good is based on how they treat that furthest person away from them. Years ago, I was challenged to a very simple exercise, which was to think about the number of people I encounter on a fairly regular basis whose names I never even bothered to learn. It's actually, a, if you think about it, it's actually a fair number of folks people behind the counter at various stores that I, that I go to. If you're a commuter, maybe it's the person who, who's often the driver of the bus that you take or something like that. You know, the, the ticket taker at, at a subway station, something, someone you pass. Uh, who do you see all the time and you haven't ever actually bothered to learn their name or care about them? Becoming a better person is expanding that circle. And the nicer you are, the more loving you are, the more caring you are to people who are at the furthest reaches of your contacts, that will make you better. Because that's where Jesus is. Jesus knows that, that it doesn't have to be at the center of your life in terms of the people in order for you to, to be nice to him. Rather, Jesus is looking at how you're treating the people out there. If you treated everyone on the periphery as if they were Jesus, what would that do to the way you lived?
What if your standing with God is based on that? How would it change the way you act? How would it change the way you perceive yourself as whether you belong with the sheep or with the goats? It's a tough message in this story for us. To examine not how we are at our best, but to examine how we are at our worst and with the people who are least important to us. And being told that that is what God is looking at. So expand your circle. Expand that radius of persons who you're going to care about, who you're going to love, who you're going to learn about. And then everything from the outside in becomes better. Amen.